Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hinma Zaina, and my guest in this episode is Antonia Carver, director of Art Jamil, to talk about the Jamil Art Center, which opened in Dubai in November 2018. Located by the creek in Al Jaddaf waterfront, Jamil Art Center, an independent and privately owned art institution, is an exhibition and education space dedicated to contemporary art presented through art projects, commissions, and curated solo and group exhibitions, drawn both from the Art Jamil collection and through regional and international collaborations. By nurturing artists and practitioners to produce work from and about the region, the aim of the center is to create dialogue and exchange of ideas through exhibitions, education, and research, and to encourage broad audiences, young and old, to engage actively with the artworks and ideas generated. Here's our conversation. So, Antonia, it's been two months since uh, Jamil Art Center opened. How does it feel? Wow, it feels amazing. And um, I guess what's uh, been a real thrill, I mean, we've had a lot of kind of real goosebumpy moments, um, you know, especially in terms of uh, reaching out to a really kind of broad public. So, you know, we had a lot of questions before the center opened of, you know, who's going to come? Is there really a broad audience for contemporary art uh, in Dubai or in the UAE and, and the wider region? And how are we going to get to them? So we brainstormed a lot as a team thinking about all our different audience demographics. And, um, and really, it's been incredible to see who shows up. And obviously, the, the art scene where you know, a lot of people have really embraced what we're, what we're doing here and have come to the talks and using the library. But what's really special is to see people from this neighborhood, from the wider kind of Dubai sphere, show up on weekends. And the most um, exciting moments, for example, have been you know, during our opening week. Uh, we had an installation in the park by Dan Rusgaard, uh, Waterlicht, and, which attracted a very, very broad public. One night um, in that opening week, we had uh, over 3,000 people come in. We had to actually, you know, barricade the galleries at one point and have a one-in, one-out kind of policy, you know, and the people's uh, interest in what we're doing in the kinds of installations that are on show, people's questions, just show that there's a capacity for contemporary art to get right into the heart of the kind of questions that we talk about on a daily basis and to kind of open up this kind of space for debate which is not news to you, I mean, we, we know this, but it's just great to see it kind of in action. And also the kind of um, embrace uh, of the centre by children, families and, and youth. We have special programmes for all those different kind of demographics, but just seeing, I mean, to take an example, our children's opening, the first day we opened, we started by inviting 300 school kids from lots of different schools. Um, at the end of the day, I kind of said to the, to the group, um, you know, who's been to a museum before? And around, you know, 20 people put up their hand, 20 kids, all the others. So we're talking, you know, like 250 kids plus hadn't been to a museum before and this was their first experience. And probably um, the most brilliant comment was from this uh, group of, of kids who at the end said, you know, we thought all artists were dead. We didn't realize there were alive artists. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, and of course here they'd had a chance to meet 10 of the artists who were all here for the opening. They suddenly saw art as a kind of living, breathing kind of part of life. And this is, you know... Yeah, it's a thrill. That's great to hear because there are two points I want to follow up on what you said. So, A, the surrounding community and where you are, and I think maybe let's talk about location because I think it's so key and it's so important. Mm. And I'm really happy of where you are. And two is, yeah, kind of from an education perspective where there is no 
I think mm. official art education, at least within the high school uh, uh, level. And and it's great that you're embracing schools. And I'm hoping it also included private and public schools. So, you know, all sorts of yeah. nationalities and language. And, you know, so the talks in Arabic and English. I'm uh, mm. hoping the answer is yes. But maybe let's focus on the location. I'd really like to talk about the location because we've had topic uh, discussions about it offline. Uh, um, where you are, you're by the creek, which is... Um, to me, you know, the center of Dubai. I know a lot of people think the center is, you know, beyond Sheikh Zayed <laughs> or downtown Dubai where Burj Khalifa is, yes, you know, like yeah. literally branded as downtown, even though I think downtown is, you know, around the creek. So can we talk about the location and choice of location? I, I know if, how far mm-hmm. back you're going to end up uh, having to go, but yeah, maybe just uh, explain to listeners who are not familiar with Dubai or who are in Dubai but not been anywhere near the creek to tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, location, location, location. You're very... No, well, thank you for this question because I think it's really important. Um, I mean, just to sort of... For people who haven't been down here or for people that are, are abroad, we do sit right on the creek. The water from our kind of front door is maybe, um, you know, four metres away from the centre, so it's visible at all times. And this was very much part of the idea behind the architecture as well. Wherever you are, you get glimpses of the creek and you realise it's kind of centrality to the thinking at the centre as well as Dubai itself. Um, we have on one side, in terms of kind of road arteries, we have Al-Hail Road on one side and uh, Sheikh Zayed Road or Sheikh Rashid Road on, on the other. We're very close to the airport. It's actually 15 minutes drive to the airport, talking about the kind of new modes of transport. You know, if you think from the creek to the airport and how much uh, Emirates Airline and the airports kind of defines this city as a hub, you know, we feel that's really important. We're starting to see people do transfers, so they'll be transferring through Dubai. They take three hours, they come out and spend those three hours at Jamil Art Centre because they can leave their luggage in transit and have this moment of connection with the city. And, um, you know, we're super, we're very close to the metro, so we feel very accessible. And I think what's special about this kind of particular spot on the creek is that we can see what people now refer to as kind of old Dubai, you know, directly from our doors. We can see the creek uh, yachts and golf club. I've got that name around the wrong way. Creek and golf uh, yacht club. Yep, that's it. <laughs> which, of course, was, um, you know, thinking about the kind of work that's in our crude exhibition, which is talking about the kind of greening of the desert and the demand for golf courses from uh, American expats working in Saudi in the, you know, in the 1950s and 60s. You know, that, that kind of synergy there with golf courses is, is very important. You know, and we're about five minutes downstream from the Jadaf boatyard, which is still a place where just about where uh, dows and, and abras are, are made. And, you know, if we think about that kind of history of trade and what made Dubai the city it is, we imagine those boats, and we quite often see them go past our door, you know, uh, coming downstream and out through uh, between Dubai and Dira and out to trade with South Asia, Iran, East Africa, other, you know, other Arab cities via the, via the Gulf. And, and I think, for me, this is absolutely crucially important. So it actually underpins everything we think about in the centre, we have this idea of the idea of confluence being at the very kind of heart of everything do we, we do with programming, with acquisitions of artworks, with talks. So this idea that the ebb and flow of the water on the creek carries with it ideas, goods, uh, kind of languages, histories, and that that water kind of embeds us all in this city. It's our coming and going. It's our rootedness. And what I love about this kind of idea of, of the flow of water and the idea that confluence is inbound in that is that it can really uh, bring home this kind of history of the creek and its centrality to Dubai. Um, as an example, we, I was having a chat the other day with 
um, an older guy who works in, in government who was telling me, you know, as kids, we would, um, they were living in Bradubai, it would be a kind of, you get on your bike, you'd cycle for 10 minutes, you'd be in this area, exactly the spot where you are now, and they would put their fishing nets out at night, come back in the morning, take them in, deliver the fish back home before you go to school. And he said, you know, this, this part feels like the centre of the city for me. And it always has been through our whole lives. So this was a really, you know, and I think there are many people that experience the city in that kind of way. And then at the same time, that ebb and flow of the water is obviously what takes you in and out of Dubai as well. And so it's kind of really embracing that idea that we can be completely rooted in Dubai while having a connection with the rest of the world. And for me, this is what makes this city maybe different to any other city I know, because those two things can exist like two sides of a coin simultaneously it's not kind of local versus global or some kind of horrible kind of global type thing you know it's much more that we simultaneously embrace these two kind of feelings of rootedness and and transience at once um sorry I could this is a topic I can talk about forever and ever and and I still I mean just the other day I was down um in in Bar Dubai near the kind of Dubai Museum area and just reminding myself of how central that is to everyday life all the time and if you're out in the new kind of zones of the new Dubai you know you can forget how this is still what defines the city so it's a really special kind of spot and um and a lot and we've you know some artists are taking on those ideas very obviously so you think of Shiharu Shioto the Japanese artist who we had uh, create a new uh, installation in our top floor gallery called Departures. She took a, um, a boat from the Jadaf boatyard. She's created this mass web of red threads, which is very much about how, as human beings, we're kind of connected with each other all over the world. I mean, if you kind of think about the airlines and everything, it does look a bit like one of those mm. maps you see where there are all the flights going everywhere, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually sort of made of red threads. And um, another artist have touched on it much more kind of obliquely, but it's still um, very central to their work. Um, then just coming on to the idea of, of education, yeah, I mean, for the Jamil family, uh, the idea of how to bring art out to the public and particularly to a young public is something that's absolutely fundamental to them. So this uh, centre, which we'll maybe come on to a little bit later to expand on, is uh, privately funded, but it has this completely civic purpose. The idea is how do you maximise an audience for art? How do you reach the non-usual suspects? And we know from film festivals, when you introduce, you know, screenings for kids, that's often a way where kids come, they tell their parents, and actually children and young people can have the most open-minded kind of attitude to art. They can be the ones that sort of take that message home to, to maybe non-museum-going uh, families or publics in a way that, you know, a thousand Instagram campaigns may not ever reach. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, we've got our ulterior motives when it comes to the marketing too. But also just... Um, you know, I, I guess the point of the centre is also to think about not how does art relate to art, but really do, how does art relate to life without sounding too kind of glib. You know, we feel that a lot of the work that we're showing here or we hope to show is all about asking the kinds of questions that only art can kind of ask. And I mean art in the broadest sense, you know, theatre, film, everything. But just um, there's a space there to talk about things that we can't necessarily talk about. Uh, generally in life or to or that we find difficult to or that we can open up those kind of complex open-ended kind of questions in a way that artists can that in other areas might come across as um, more closed or you know um, narrow in terms of definition and um, yeah we're working with all different kinds of schools public schools as well as private schools all different languages luckily you know the, the team here has a fantastic array of languages being all 
mostly Dubaians and and so that's a huge boon and yeah thinking of the children's opening we had uh, schools that were teaching Arabic curriculum uh, Filipino curriculum um, French uh, English uh, Tagalog um, Malayalam you know the whole range of Hindi uh, and um, Urdu and the whole kind of range and it was again it's one of those kind of common denominators that can cut through all any kind of curriculum we can talk about lots of different things and and the exhibitions here are you know there's an awful lot to say about artists and what artists are saying but you can also enter in from many different aspects you know society um trade economics history even maths you know there's kind of capacity to broaden the conversation way beyond art no i mean this is all music to my ears and and like i i think you saying it's art not about art but about life and yeah making sense of this world we live in and and what is the role of art because I have my days where I'm completely cynical and down on it especially when you know it's always about when art is being talked about it's in the context of art market Mm -hmm. and the commercial reasons behind art and and prices and it's just so off-putting and I think because the presence of art at least in Dubai maybe not compared to you know compared to Sharjah it's different where over here, the presence of art is in the context of commercial art galleries who obviously have their agenda and, you know, the commercial mm-hmm. galleries for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for that to be the predominant kind of discussion about art, after a few years kind of really, you know, wears me out, just puts me off and I'm not interested in that dialogue. And, and what, which is why I find something like Sharjah Art Foundation where it's completely engaged with people and it's about you know, encouraging artists and thinking and, and it goes kind of beyond just, oh, this is an art piece and about, you know, how much it costs, right? Yeah. Uh, so to me, when a place like this was announced, I was excited and I'm like, and I think we also said it's about time, this is long overdue. <laughs> um, and and I kept thinking about this is, you know, it's funded by the Jamil family, Saudi base, completely private. Um, but also, as you said, it, but it has a civic duty and an interest in, in engaging with civic society. And I always wonder, like, why does it always have to take, you know, a private initiative? And I understand maybe, we're, you know, the whole top-down approach versus the, you know, kind of roots and organic. Mm-hmm. And, and how, why has it taken so long to have an art institution like this, contemporary art institution, you know, open here? And everyone says, you know, these things take time. And I'm like, <laughs> well, how much time? But, I mean, this is open and it has been, it looks, you know, as a visitor, a success from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, made continue and made grow and I just hope you know the ideas and and you know the manifesto behind this place doesn't change because again you are I mean despite yes you're by the creek and but around you is a lot of developments and you know maybe can we talk about that because it's still back into kind of typical Dubai mode right so it's still construction (laughs) it's still you know building new buildings and new development and I think this place was originally all along meant to be culture village I mean Mm. the signs were up for a while and then they got covered because I live in Garhut so I'm driving by this all the time and and now I believe it's called the Jaddaf waterfront so I thought that was interesting as soon as Jamil Art Center opened there was also kind of rebranding of the area which again to listeners who aren't familiar there are buildings you know uh, like residential buildings Mm. there are quite a few hotels that have propped up and it is an, a new area that's being developed where before that like there really wasn't much so it's not like there's no gentrification per se because mm. there really wasn't you know you're not like oh build, kind of getting rid of old buildings to yeah. create this so it's an, it is a new kind of um, you know you know was a plot that wasn't active mm. and over the few past few years obviously things slowed down when there was kind of the economic downturn but 
um, I was also interested, you know, what the, the dreams of having the culture village, right? <laughs> now the vision changes over these kind of like 10 years or so mm-hmm. and, and, and around you. So my worry is like, okay, you're here and I hope it stays this way and nothing kind of, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I'm just always paranoid just because we have a history of things starting and then closing. Yeah, yeah. No, completely. Well, I can, no, I totally agree with you about the way things have developed here. I mean, I guess there's kind of a, UAE-wide perspective and um, you know we're obviously um, huge fans of Sharjah Art Foundation and the Sharjah Biennial and uh, Art Jamil has collaborated with Sharjah on a number of different programs and hopefully will continue to do so in, in the future too and um, and I guess if you look at the UAE as a whole you can kind of say well there's a Biennial in Sharjah there was the art market in Dubai and I mean this is obviously very kind of glib and generalized and the um, sort of major kind of government-led museums in, in Abu Dhabi and, and that this was a kind of topology that was kind of emerging or an ecology that was kind of emerging. And, um, but meanwhile, each of those cities has kind of grown and Dubai has kind of taken on this kind of leadership role with the market. I mean, the way that, uh, you know, the art scene has developed here has been very kind of postmodern and slightly topsy-turvy and sort of jumbled up if you compare it with kind of linear art histories of other places. But then half of me thinks, well... Why not? You know, why shouldn't this be different? It's a different kind of context and it makes sense for it to be different. And also the way that the wider region was developing and this sort of sudden explosion of interest in Middle Eastern art, art and this kind of development of this Middle Eastern art market, you know, in, and I'm doing kind of annoying little quotes cool. in the air. <laughs> it's, um, you know, something that's happened that happened in the mid 2000s and Dubai was just uniquely kind of positioned in a way to take charge of that kind of direction, if you like. But I um, absolutely agree. I mean, when you have the art market here, you have maker spaces like Tashkil, uh, you know, you have artist collectives. And, you know, the missing piece of the pie, in a way, was a contemporary art institution. And, you know, it's either kind of how long, why did it take so long, or, you know, the time is now, <laughs> which maybe um, could be said, you know. And, and why Art Jamil? Well, I mean, the, it's, I think the way it's kind of developed here is actually, you know, incredibly um, Dubai in a way uh, Art Jamil has a collection they were, I mean, this before I, I joined two and a half years ago you know, Art Jamil was thinking we want to, we've been a, working amongst this kind of network almost as a kind of agency supporting others in order to achieve our aims for um, since 2004 and we want to build an institution in Saudi but we also want an international institution and what other city is better to reach a mass international public plus a local public plus being uh, being able to uh, somewhere where we can build an institution that's really a game changer. You know, can't think of anywhere better than Dubai because partly all those other pieces of the pie were there. They were just missing this contemporary art institution. Plus there's this obviously this enormous international reach and a local public that's kind of hungry for an institution and ready to embrace one. So it's obviously kind of incredibly serendipitous. And, um, and the government here has been incredibly supportive. And in a way, taking that, maybe you could say it's a typical Dubai approach of being very pragmatic and saying, right, you bring with you a collection some expertise, some enthusiasm, some funding, um, a great building. You know, we have land. We are ready to support you and everything. The the park here at Jeddah Waterfront Sculpture Park is built by Dubai Holding, who are the master planner of the wider area. Uh, we designed it, but they built it for us. And there's a kind of real... Um, realization that it's it's fantastic to have this contemporary arts institution alongside the Mohammed bin Rashid Library, which is coming just a little like it's about ten minutes walk from here, um, and to sort of come back to the creek and revitalize a new area. So the, all that it sort of 
you know, a perfect kind of storm, in a way, of bringing everything together. Um, yes, this surrounding area is, there are a lot of apartment blocks, some are, are filling up, it's starting to sort of come together. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, new developments in the city as a whole, this is fairly low rise, it's really friendly in terms of sort of pedestrianisation, you know, you can walk everywhere which is unusual and um and you're on the metro and so we've got you know we've got a lot of faith that it's going to really pick up and we're already starting to see people really start to engage and, and come and and also once we have our restaurant which opens in a few months we think people this will become even more of a destination and we haven't really pushed the tourist kind of market yet but just organically we have people showing up every day you know in their hundreds and you know thank god it, you know alhamdulillah it's going well i mean you mentioning the you know transit uh passengers at the airport who you know because dubai is also this you know major transit hub right where people are waiting at the airport for a few hours to catch the next flight and for them to be able to come here because when someone someone else told me like you're getting an unexpected audience of transit passengers yes. and i'm like wow actually that's really great because they're you're down the road from the airport you know easy to get to and how wonderful at least for people to have a sense of dubai that isn't oh go to dubai mall because the other kind of like oh let's go to the nearest yeah. mall because yeah. that's the nearest thing what to do in a few hours where doesn't you know you don't yeah. have to get stuck in traffic yes <laughs> And so I, I was really happy to hear something like that. At least there's this other sense of Dubai and not, not kind of the high rise and the malls mm. and the shopping. And uh, so that's really good to hear. And, and I think it's important to highlight that entry is free and you're open every day, yeah. seven days a week, regardless of any public holidays, which again is unusual because I know a lot of people who work, a lot of people work hard in Dubai who don't have time to go to you know visit mm. uh, galleries. And when they want to, they're like, well, it's on weekends, but these galleries are closed. Or I finish work at after seven and I can't go anywhere because these galleries are closed. But the Jamil Art Center is open till eight mm. and till every day, 10 on Fridays, I That's think. Right, and yeah. But to me, hearing you're open every day, seven days a week, and you're free, mm. um, you know, free to enter, that's wonderful. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, it's great that organically you're getting people. I think you guys have done a really good job market-wise. You, you know, your website presence is really good. Like I have to say, your information on the website's really great. I want to touch upon that maybe in a, in a short while. But yeah, I think you, you're engaging on social media, so that's really good. You've obviously had good publicity so that's great uh, but maybe let's talk about the library because you talked about the Sheikh Mohammed library that's mm. coming up it's in the shape of a book if people have missed it <laughs> what's driving up and down business uh, Bay Bridge uh, but yeah your library and maybe we'll talk about the kind of the different sections of the Jamila Center let's start with the library which I think um, I mean libraries in general over here at least you don't hear many you know, of many places where they focus on their library, mm. right? So can you tell us about the library, what it's, yeah. uh, what it has, what's the aim, and how are you kind of using mm. that as a space to engage with people? Yeah. No, well, this is... I'm so happy you started by asking about the library. <laughs> so we... Um, I mean, when we were planning the centre, we kind of uh, thought, well, we better have a sort of... I don't know, hesitate to call it a library at that stage, a sort of depository of books, which can support people wanting to do further research at, uh, alongside the exhibitions. But the idea was very much the exhibitions came first and then there would be this library. And during the kind of process of developing the programme and thinking about it, and also a kind of um, mapping exercise that we did as a team of kind of what's available in, in our uh, closest region and what's not, we realised there's no public access arts library. And, um, I mean, there are fantastic libraries in academic institutions, but that's maybe a slightly different kind of feel. Uh, we wanted something that was really public access and also a kind of depository of information about exhibition histories in the region. 
And part of this is this kind of like protest against, uh, you know, forgetting, to put it a little bit uh, slightly, slightly pompous, but kind of really thinking, you know, this kind of... I don't know, I guess what I call kind of washing machine mentality, where um, every so often, you know, new people come in and say, oh, this has never happened before, and I, this is going to be the first Or oh, we're the first. And yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why I'm like, ah. like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my big rants yeah. as well, and just kind of, I always think it's like somebody comes in and you put on a new washing machine cycle, and here's mm-hmm. a new thing, yeah. you know, freshly spun and washed and yeah. ready to go. Yeah. And actually, you forget about all the cycles that have gone before. So we kind of thought, how can we fight that? And how can we give people access to this kind of history? We can maybe start this kind of collection of exhibition histories, of catalogues, of journals, and ephemera to do with exhibitions in in this region and kind of really present that kind of history as a, as a tool of research for artists and general public and scholars and, and that kind of thing. And um, and as we began thinking, we, we realised that this library could actually be the centre part of the whole institution. It could be the brain that gives you know rise to the exhibitions and also that there's a big kind of audience segment out there, which sounds a little dry, but, you know, kind of an audience out there who we ended up calling The Curious, who are not really serviced at the moment by arts institutions or uh, the commercial galleries, or they, they're not really into necessarily hanging out in, in commercial galleries or commercial spaces, and, and yet they're um, a kind of demographic that is uh, really literary, really politically minded, um, you know, really interested in things. Um, I mean, I'm, a lot of them are young, but there's also quite a big kind of middle age segment. You know, many speak other languages, predominantly Arabic and, and Farsi, we found in our kind of um, mapping, and, um, and that they need a home. And that's actually been a hugely exciting demographic to reach out to. So, we're, for example, we're running three reading groups at the moment, one in English, two in Arabic, and all are full. And people sit and debate you know, books and uh, readings from the library and the exhibitions for two hours every week. And it's a super engaged kind of public. So this has been a really exciting kind of track. We have around 3,000 uh, books in the library now. We're growing all the time. Um, many of the books have ended up being donations, so all the institutions in the UAE have been exceptionally generous in donating to the library and helping us build up these institu- these uh, resources. Um, the other method we're using is this kind of crowdsourcing method um, in which we go out to the artists that we work with and the, and the curators we know and say to them, you know, which books really influenced you? And so you build up this kind of uh, kind of um, mapping, I guess, around artists of their thinking and how they were influenced. And then it's really fun to kind of track those journeys. So we're building up at the moment digital resources where you can type in these artists' names and you can see how they were influenced and also how they map and their selections over uh, lap with other artists. Sorry, I'm getting super geeky now, but this is kind of like my favourite thing. And and it's just, um, you know, there's a huge capacity. And one of the interesting things is that, you know, it's very easy to kind of think books, you know, older generation, digital, younger. And um, we set up our youth council recently. It's nine members that are leading that. It's uh, their age between 18 and 24. And they're devising their own programming. And I was just reading through just now with Murad's... Um, Elder Girl, who's running that program, and um, the, what they've come up with in their group meetings is that you know everything is analog. They want to, they do want to look at memes and okay. ideas do around memes, but they're also interested in the library and in books. Mm. So this kind of whole idea that youth is somehow disengaged from the printed word is just not true. 
you know, so we're we're seeing huge traction in the library. Sorry, that was a very long-winded answer. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's uh, love hearing it because yeah, I mean, I visited uh, once and uh, you know, kind of just you know, stroll through the aisles and to see what books are there. And I was happy to see, like you have a nice magazine selection as mm. well, like the art magazines and Aramco, which I believe you're trying to like get the entire yeah. kind of past editions as well. Because mm. yeah, I've seen stuff online, but it's not the same as like flicking yeah. through an actual magazine. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to coming and spending mm. time. And I believe yeah, it's open. Like people can come and sit and work out of there. Totally. And uh, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go there just to look at the books in the library. And you know, like it seems like a, a quiet space to work out of. Uh, and I mean, so so now maybe let's kind of go in the wider space of the Jamil Art Center mm-hmm. so leaving the library you also have now what you call artist rooms so I believe these are spaces that will be dedicated all the time to specific artists like depending on the mm-hmm. cycle of exhibitions um, and obviously the main exhibition area so yeah maybe can you tell us kind of the thinking behind these spaces yeah. and how you plan on using them mm. so on the um, exhibition side of the building we have three floors uh, made up of ten different art spaces I mean, some are fairly small-scale rooms, others double height and much more kind of imposing. But the idea of the architecture from the very beginning was that these were very kind of human exhibition spaces. I guess there was a sort of tendency maybe um, through the 2000s to think of kind of former warehouse spaces and, you know, huge industrial buildings. I mean, I'm talking globally here that, you know, that are repositioned as as artist spaces. And it was all about kind of how do you make an impact on a vast kind of scale. And um, we've tried to sort of go in the opposite direction, if you like, of thinking of kind of a series of more intimate kind of spaces and really trying to think how can you create... um, an art centre that has maximum flexibility. So these 10 spaces could be one huge exhibition, um, they can be 10 little exhibitions, they can be artist rooms, as you, as you mentioned, which is our kind of series of capsule exhibitions that de- dedicate one room to one artist and either show a particular angle in their practice or try to give a kind of um, overview of the kinds of works that they produce. A lot of those works come from our collection and that's an ongoing series that we see for the foreseeable future. Um, we're also looking at slightly larger solo shows that take up two or three rooms. That's an, a new kind of type of exhibition that's coming soon and then also these kind of group exhibitions and for the group exhibitions we're really trying to look at kind of thematic ideas that really you know again this kind of art matters to life kind of idea that really raise debate and are very much kind of curated from the ground up so this idea that we take as as read our position here um, and kind of try and curate from there. That doesn't mean that we're always producing everything in-house. Some exhibitions are, you know, going to be touring from other places, but we tend to try and kind of curate them in liaison with those other institutions so that they have a real reason to be here, if you like. Um, our opening exhibition, which is on at the moment through until March uh, 30th, is called Crude and looks at the history of oil in the Arab world and, and Iran and various other places too and how artists have kind of interpreted that history and how it affected uh, the economy, society, architecture, archives, and really about how we think about ourselves as as humans, because so much of what um, has happened to this this region and, and the way people of different generations have thought about themselves has been through this sort of prism of the economy, which has been quite driven by oil. I mean, depending on which country you come from but obviously sort of crucial you know importance to the gulf all the gulf countries pretty much 
Yeah, I mean, the exhibition, honestly, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. It's been getting a lot of praise. And, and I think it was uh, just, again, interesting, you know, side conversation that people are impressed that you started the first exhibition where it feels quite grounded and kind of local and regional versus trying to do, you know, some kind of like international star-studded, mm. you know, uh, exhibition. So that was funny because I know, like, I take these for granted, like, oh, of course, it'll be about here, right? Where I think others are always, uh, again, this perception of, you know, what the first exhibition is going to be, this big blockbuster. Uh, but, I mean, the space itself, as you said, you wanted, like, there's a human scale element to it. And and uh, I'm glad it was built in a way where it doesn't feel kind of overwhelming or, you know, you get lost. and Or, like, just something, you know, as bland as, like, oh, warehouse space has converted into this, which, oh, isn't that cool? But it's just so overdone and not many people do it right. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I feel like this is a purpose-built space mm-hmm. with thinking behind it that's, that kind of suits its surroundings, that has meaning, that is inspired by history. And, you know, it's low rise. It's none of this kind of, like, yeah, it's, it's very... A very kind of I know humble looking space by the creek without it trying to mm-hmm. show off and you know look at me so that yeah. that's really great so you know I, I hope you know I'm, I'm sure people notice that when when they come over uh, and in in terms of kind of other activities so I know you have like um, educational like workshops and talks with students and there's a book reading and and I think yeah one thing I want to bring up which I was really happy to see you have a dedicated room for moving image like I was really happy when that <laughs> happened <laughs> Yeah. And 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 so far you've put a really good selection and like they're long pieces and I come and just literally sit and watch the entire, like I did like I'm watching a film right mm-hmm. and uh, so is that an ongoing thing like the idea is to have a space dedicated to yeah. moving image. Yes, no, absolutely. No, thank you for noticing that. Um, yeah, uh, within the Archmeal collection, we have quite a lot of moving image works or works that incorporate audiovisual elements. So we'd always thought, right, how can we best show these works? And um, it was actually kind of a fairly last minute decision. I mean, last minute in terms of architectural uh, construction, you know, like a year before we mm. opened. We thought, actually, let's have one gallery where we specifically from the beginning think of this as a gallery for, for moving image works. So Gallery 9 on our second floor, we ripped out the ceiling, we put in a kind of truss. Again, I'm getting into sort of geeky architectural mode here. But I'm just thinking exactly kind of how can we, um, from the very beginning, have this dedication towards showing film in an art gallery kind of context. And in a space that's, you know, it's intimate, it could probably seat 15, 20 people if we all squashed in together. Well, yeah, that's too much. I mean, I was happy I'll come, you know, there's a sofa and it's all for me and I'll watch it without, you know, any disturbances or people looking at their phones and things like that. Oh, yeah, that's not allowed. (laughs) No crunching of crisps and munching of popcorn allowed at all. But it's, um, and, you know, we've, as the team has been putting together the program together, but mainly led by Nora Razian, who's our head head of programs. And, you know, we've really kind of thought very strongly about how do we make sure that we're looking out for new films I mean we were just talking about the Berlinale before you know she's going to the Berlinale and also to Rotterdam to look for you know new artists films and we're trying to be really on top of our game if we can be for that and um and we're really we haven't thought about that room particularly as kind of to do with uh, the artist's nationality or anything like that it's much more kind of thinking broadly in terms of thematic concerns at the moment we have a kind of very loose kind of theme looking at the relationship between um people and the natural environment and that's been a sort of a, a sort of slight sub theme which kind of riffs off the gardens that are through the building and also us being in a new building and thinking about kind of sustainability and, and things like this but again it, you know that that program just gives us maximum kind of flexibility and it's also the most kind of fast moving program so mm. we've tried to think about all the different programs with different time scales so there are new films in gallery nine every month 
there are talks every two weeks um other exhibitions go like the artist rooms go for two and a half months the group exhibitions tend to be kind of three to four months so that everything is kind of staggered mm. which gives um hopefully you know gives everyone an excuse to come back here you know regularly yeah it, hang out. yeah i mean that's it right like it's not about just oh you come on opening night and because that's mm-hmm. the other thing a lot of people do like oh they'll only go to see art when it's on opening and not revisit again yes. which again another thing i rant on but yeah i mean uh, with the moving image uh, like i think just there are not many places that show art you know art films or moving images i mean me when every week i kind of try to share with people are on social media you know latest movies in cinema and I also mentioned the you know latest showing uh, here at Jamil Art Center so I feel yeah maybe like push that mm. a lot more and and yeah I'm hoping you know people who are curious about these kind of films because again they're there are really good films and and they're not like super long or mm. you know so they're like 40 minutes and I, again yeah. I mean depends on what ends up coming up in, in the future uh all right, and let's talk about the commission. So besides the work from the Jamil collection, uh, which obviously, is, you know, this is a great place to be able to bring this and, you know, all of this needs seeing again and again, you know, uh, like, you know, we said kind of coming to see art on opening night is really not mm. <laughs> a enough or the right yes. thing to do. <laughs> uh, but I know you've done, uh, you, you do open calls and, and and basically commissioning work that will be part of mm. uh, the collection or mm. at least will be exhibited here and hopefully elsewhere so i think you're one of your first uh, open calls like the the, res- the end result is quite fascinating so let's talk <laughs> about that yes no well thank you i mean it's you know commissioning um from anybody who's uh, whether you're an artist who's applied for something or somebody curating something is a hugely risky business you know it, it takes a lot of kind of um confidence and um a lot of kind of uh, engagement with the artist and really sort of talking through how to develop their work in order to have a successful work. And um, and also I think there has to be a recognition that sometimes commissions don't work and that's also interesting to kind of embrace. So, um, yeah, our first commission, uh, we have a programme actually called Archimil Commissions which happens every two years and looks at different sort of cycles of, of production. Um, the first where we invited people to apply to make a sculptural work uh, which engaged with light technologies and somewhere in this building. So it was, yeah, total experiment. And, um, and of course we had that kind of, you know, moment where I think, you know, it closed on a Saturday and on Friday, three people had applied and we were like, Oh no, one's coming to our party. And, <laughs> and then of course everyone applies on the last day. We ended up with, um, several hundred applications, which was incredible and a lot of really, really great works. Uh, we had a, a brilliant jury, um, including people like Reem Fadda, um, Hural Qasimi, uh, James Lingwood from Art Angel in, in the UK, Shimon Bazar, um, you know, incredible people sitting on that jury. And we combed through everything. We eventually, after shortlisting um, and allowing those artists to create, you know, to develop their proposals more, settled on um, Alia Farid and Asil Yacoub, who are two uh, quite young artists uh, from Kuwait, and they come up with this idea of a kind of electric garden, which would sit, if you think about the Jamil Art Center, sort of has two wings, and in between them is a rooftop terrace. And this, they came up with this idea of taking over the rooftop terrace, which was originally going to be actually a space for films and talks, and, um, and making there this kind of garden made of plastic trees. And um, it was tremendous, I mean, you know, tremendous challenge uh, engineering-wise, architectural-wise. We put together actually a kind of committee to help them, made up of very practical 
electrical people, so people who'd worked with light before, engineers who were working on the building, so that we actually had a sort of team behind the artists, and I think that's been um, a fantastic learning curve for everybody. You know, the engineers learnt about the whims of artists, and the artists learnt about, you know, how to create load-bearing structures through concrete islands and all sorts of things like that. And um, and now eventually we have this kind of beautiful garden. And uh, the idea, they went to the factories in China who make trees, mainly for the Gulf, actually. It's for China and the Gulf have this kind of economy in um, plastic trees, which light up at night. If you think of sort of the Dubai Garden Glow and um, what's the other one called? You know, with the huge cats and the Miracle Garden. Miracle Garden. <laughs> and, uh, these guys, yeah. and they were talking also about a lot of, you know, streets in Kuwait that they totally love that are kind of full of these trees. Yeah. They worked with the workers in the Chinese factory to come up with these kind of fantastical trees where they took a baobab base and replaced the top with um, a kind of, you know, willow tree, took a palm and made a sort of cacti out of it. And so they really played around yeah. with all these kind of genres and then set up this kind of botanic garden. And, and the islands of, the, of this, these invented trees, you know, have particular names which refer to the factories where they were made and the different sort of sites around the Gulf where these trees are very popular. And, of course, this idea is kind of riffing off the other gardens which we have in the centre. So there are seven gardens that pocket the building and draw light down into the building. And um, each of those is de- dedicated to a different desert environments. So, you know, trees from Socotra... We have trees from New Mexico, um, from Australia, uh, from um, Namibia. I think there are some from Namibia that are over 200 years old, these amazing plants. They're actually the smallest ones. They just grow incredibly slowly. <laughs> but, um, but it's kind of... And they were sort of playing on this idea, the two artists, Cecile and Alia, about our fascination with nighttime uh, in the Gulf, the way we, you know, we love to be nocturnal here. We sort of celebrate light in a way that... It's like we've just discovered electricity and we want to use it to the max and celebrate that kind of being able to light up our environment. And this kind of idea that we sort of love nature, we kind of love fake nature, you know, it's kind of riffing off that. And it's been brilliant. I mean, people actually come and hang out in this garden and have picnics in it and sort of treat it like a park, (laughs) which is exactly what the artist wanted. And that will stay up until September and then it will come down and we're thinking about other works that could exist in that space. We actually, um, this week, have the jury meeting for the second in the cycle, commission cycle, which is looking at uh, criticism, art writing and um, research. And again, a fantastic load of applicants applied for that from all over the world. And part of that commission is that you get to come and spend three months here at the centre, take over our writer's studio work from the library and sort of come up with a new piece of of writing so and then the next one after that is drawing and painting and we also have another under other commissions around the place in the sculpture park um a fantastic work by Sheikha al-Mazru in the artist garden which is there's an annual commission for the artist garden which is actually a plot which uh, could be planted with plants but Sheikha al-Mazru the uh, artist who's based here in the UAE um came up instead with this idea of creating a kind of glass greenhouse that's been segmented into different sections. So it's a very kind of formalist work, but it also kind of playing on our idea of imported, um, grown, you know, what's actually kind of a native plant, what's not, and sort of riffing off this idea, which of course takes us right back again to this kind of confluence idea of the creek and mm. plants and what's uh, this kind of idea of native, non-native, what does all these mean? things mean anyway, you know? Yeah. Mm. No, it's great because there's just so much that's in dialogue with, you know, so within the building, within the city, within the surroundings, and and it just means there's, you know, reason to come back 
multiple times, right? So it's not yes. just, oh, I've seen the crude exhibition, I don't need to go back to Jamil Art Center. On the contrary, I think there's a lot to see. These outside space is really nice, just even for a walk. At least now we have good weather, at least till, you know, April mm. or whatever. And at least with, and the botanical garden is really fascinating because when it's lit up at night, you can even see it from a distance. So even when you're crossing the bridge, you can see this kind of fluorescent colored light mm. from, and you're like, oh yeah, that's from the Jamil Art Center. So it is, it looks pretty. I think, you know, surrounding buildings will enjoy it. It's quite Instagrammable, right? So like this, the Instagram art is kind of this new genre, right? <laughs> of things. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, I'm personally really happy a place like this is opened. Uh, it's, I think a lot of people are happy seeing people who are coming and hopefully many more visits. And like I said earlier, that it is open seven days a week, free to enter. And everything's listed. You're really good on social media, but I'm really happy with your website, which I think I mentioned very briefly earlier. I always say a lot of culture places here do not handle their websites well. They don't keep a track of past events. So that's why this kind of forgetfulness we touched, you, you touched upon earlier, where people just forget like, yeah, this, you know, the art scene in the past five years, like it's always like within a five-year context mm -hmm. versus kind of talking about it yeah. in a longer. Because yeah, information is not available or it's not archived properly online, which really, really bothers me. I mean, thank God for the library here now that's trying to have a collection of kind of art exhibition mm -hmm. history. But you're website it's really good a it's designed well it's you know easy to go through and and the information is there so I, and I think you do a newsletter as well. So if you have, you know, like sign to their database and mm. then get a newsletter. So I'm, I'm really glad. And I know I almost think it's maybe because you come from a journalistic background and you think it's important <laughs> to have yes. information available. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, well, thank you. This is amazing. And please, everybody, yes, jamilartcenter.org. And we also have artjamil.org as well for our wider program. And um, no, please, and there's a sign up on the, on the website. And I really encourage everybody to sign up because that's the newsletter that goes out monthly is one of our big outreach kind of tools and and yeah I couldn't agree more I mean I think you know there's so much fascination and interest internationally as well as locally in in the history of what happens here as well as you know artists that are coming up and things like that and I think it's so um, important to be able to access that information in Arabic as well as English and to try and really be quite kind of rigorous about how we do that um, the website was put together um, well led by, you know, the whole team was involved but led by Lana Shama and Lana did a fantastic job of really creating an, an amazing website and all done in-house and we've been really trying to sort of make sure that we gather all that information I mean yeah it's a, it's a big effort to do these things but I think it's it's hugely important and um, and I guess yeah we're a bit information crazy if very you know anybody's coming down to the crude exhibition you'll see there's not only a book but there's also extended wall captions and every work has a kind of extended caption with it, which, um, you know, some people could read as didactic, but, I mean, for us, we're kind of thinking that context is key. Or, and, you know, and really being able to delve into those histories is hugely important. And, again, just sort of thinking beyond the usual kind of suspects. You know, I had an incredibly moving moment. I mean, in, in the opening week, the whole team worked every day and every night and uh, sort of being positioned in all the different galleries so that we were able to really engage with the public as well as protect the art because <laughs> there are lots of people wanting to jump on everything and touch everything so everyone the whole team was assigned to different artworks and and I was in in one gallery looking after Rayan Tarbit's rings uh yeah exactly which people seem to want to sort of crawl through oh, and God, yeah, oh. just, just to describe to listeners yeah, it's kind of mm. like a series of big circular kind of shapes on the ground but yeah the, mm. they're quite big where you know yes. you can kind of crawl through but you're not supposed to no <laughs> Yeah, 
but it's a, it's a learning curve. We'll get there eventually. But yes, there's a lot of we've even had somebody come and try to sort of do a yoga position sort of through the of middle of, of the rings. For Instagram, right? <laughs> exactly. It's a selfie kind of culture that we're all kind of getting to grips with. Oh, okay. But, you know, but the level of engagement is amazing. And I had one, well, I guess two sort of real moments that evening where one was a, a big group of students that come from Alain University and um, a real uh, mix of, of different ages and, and, and looks and, and kind of um, fashion sense. It was, you know, really amazing. Anyway, and they stopped and kind of said, you know, we've driven two hours to be here this evening because we saw something on Instagram. Oh, okay. We found it absolutely fascinating. They had, ex- they had loads of questions about everything and they kind of said that we want, this is going to be our space. We're going to come and hang out here every weekend. And because they live from all over the, the UAE and they're all friends, this is a place of neutral kind of meeting point. And the other was um, a really fantastic Iraqi family. There were a family of eight, uh, from little kids to, to three, you know, three generations in, in one group. And they um, were actually moved to tears by being in the Iraqi, you know, seeing, I say the Iraqi gallery, but I mean, one of the spaces in Crude that looks, that includes images by Latif al-Ani from the 50s and 60s of what Baghdad was like and and also um, a kind of mapping of the Iraqi oil fields by um, Alessandro. And, and they, you know, when I was talking to them, they, they kind of had this sudden kind of moment of, of kind of clarity and obviously tipped with a lot of kind of nostalgia about this Iraq that had gone past. But they kind of said... Uh, to me, which I found really moving, um, we never get to talk about this. We never get to see these kinds of images, and we the, all this information is fascinating to us, and it's in our blood. It's what we grew up with. It's what we talked around, you know, sitting around the TV. The extended family talked about this, and now we see it on the walls here, and we've never seen it before. And I kind of thought, yes, this is you know what we're trying to do. And obviously, we have, um, you know, we're learning all the time, and we've got a long way to go, but. Just those little moments of connection mm. between audiences and art make everything kind of worthwhile. And you think, right, this is there's something on the right track here. And um, I mean, I should add that Crude was, uh, you know, curated by Murtaza Vali, who will be very familiar, I'm sure, to a lot of your audiences. Uh, Sharjah, um, born and, and uh, based now between Sharjah and Brooklyn. And, um, you know, Murtaza kind of at the beginning of putting this exhibition together said I'm going to go off and do some research and I said you know maybe the book maybe write like 5,000 words he went completely MIA for a month gave us all a heart attack we couldn't get hold of him (laughs) and he came back saying wow you know this subject is fascinating and there are so many political history books about the history of the oil region but I can't find another single exhibition that's been devoted to this topic and Actually, but artists are really engaged with it. And he, of course, he'd written 30,000 words and you know, gone down a black hole of kind of, you know, research and intrigue. But I feel it, it does come across in the exhibition, that kind of depth of research and interest and, and a constant... But it's, it's easy to read. It's accessible for everybody. And, yeah, very exciting. Great. Um, and maybe just one more, just for people who might be interested, the shop. So there is a yes. shop, exit through the gift shop, like on a, it's something you see at the beginning and at the yes, end. So that's, a, so that's a quirky shop, which I think also, I think there's a lot of thought that's gone behind what is in the shop. Yeah. So. Yes. Well, this was another one of these, uh, you know, projects that totally changed around. We started off thinking, well, obviously that will be a space that we give over to somebody else and they can run the shop and we have enough on our plate. And then when we got into it, we realized this could be super exciting to do ourselves. So it's something we completely developed and um, from uh, from the team. And uh, we're selling books, we're selling uh, artworks and multiples by local artists and designers um, and, and regional artists and designers. 
There are educational things for kids. There's little quirky little kind of gift items. And obviously, you know, thinking about sustainability, which is something you mentioned before, we're trying to very much think about how do we create uh, the centre as a sustainable model going forward? How can we afford to keep exhibitions free and everything accessible for everybody? So the shop is an income stream, but it's also a way of supporting local artists and designers and showcasing their works. And um, and we've had a most amazing kind of response from tourists particularly who've said exactly what we thought they might say, as in, you know, I can find a thousand stuffed camels and watercolours of, of kind of wind tower houses and things like this, but trying to find actual homegrown designer products or artists' products um, is really difficult. So we're hoping that will really kind of take off and people will engage with that. And we're starting to do little kind of commissions here and there. So the first is a collaboration with Mirzam, for example, with um, Khaled Mzayna, um, who has done these three fantastic illustrations, uh, which then become the wrapper for the for the chocolate the chocolate is super delicious but we've had also people saying you know they've gone home and sort of ironed out their, <laughs> their yeah, illustration mean, and pinned it to their wall yeah. and which is just what we want to hear so yeah, this mean, is uh, the way just, we want to go uh, like yeah he's my brother so kind of like disclosure, oh, yeah, sorry, and, disclosure. Uh, but yeah I mean I was really happy I came and I got like three sets for my other siblings like oh look and, <laughs> yeah and I, I when I unpacked it I you know was careful and you know I kept the artwork and uh, my mom was really proud and yeah no so it's cool so it's, it's a so I mean forget that it's my brother but mm. that in general that you are also thinking about commissioning local artists to sh- you know yeah. kind of an opportunity to showcase their work was it exactly. be designs or illustrations or yeah uh, or even you know books or whatever. exactly so that, that's and we have great. high hopes that there'll be more stores like yeah. this and artists and designers will get more supported mm. so that that kind of industry can really start yeah. up yeah. and people can start to mass produce mm. i mean not mass mm. produce but you know um limited edition mass produce so that they can actually sort of feed yeah. their practice yeah. so yeah that's um one of the, but thank you for that plug and there's great coffee in the shop that's true <laughs> we always, you know you can't go to a museum without stopping for coffee and well, you can do that here can, luckily we have a, a couple of total caffeine addicts in this in this in our team who actually went off and tasted all the different coffees okay. so this is an arch meal bean oh, that wow. we or mix no you don't say bean do you we haven't grown the beans but we've um you know the um, roast. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, you can tell it obviously wasn't me that was actually choosing the coffee. But it tastes really good. Okay. And uh, and we do, like, you know, cookies and brownies. Mm-hmm. So it's, this um, then we'll have um, the, the restaurant, restaurant coming mm-hmm. later. And, and what we've otherwise started to see is that people come out here and hang out here and have picnics. They mm. bring food with them. They order delivery who comes mm, to the centre. Okay. And so there are tables and chairs. People can really make a day of it. And um, yeah, this yeah, because again, talking about kind of revisiting this place that you know it's not just a one-off. You know, you see, you visit once a year or once every six months. Mm-hmm. That yeah, there is actually a public space around the center. Yeah. There's a nice walkway along the creek as well. So I, I think it's a way where you can engage with the space on the outside or engage yeah. with it on the inside. Uh, and it's just yeah, I feel it's a. Like I said, I think in the beginning, an overdue, you know, a space and a great addition um, on the Dubai map. So for locals or tourists mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk Thank and you. I just wish you and the entire team good luck. I know everyone works really hard. I'm not saying this because I know you personally. I mean, we go back, what, like 10 years or mm-hmm. so. But no, just me when I come here as a visitor, look, everyone seems to really have the heart in this space and it's just it doesn't happen often at least for me and I know I get really cynical about kind of <laughs> the city and the art and culture scene here but this has been a really nice positive addition and totally supporting it and hopefully you know the word spreads 
far and wide, all over, you know, for, for this to be uh, one of the high spots and must-see uh, places to visit when, you know, whenever they talk about mm. Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, good or bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> but mostly good when it comes to Jamil Art Center. Thank you so much, Antonia. Thanks a million, Hind. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to hear more discussions about art and culture, please follow and subscribe to Tea with Culture on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Anarami. Till next time.